Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a movie has gone bad over time. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, what the problem is, is my favorite friend, David William Rogers. <laughs> What's the problem is? What's he going on? was trying so hard to make that the catchphrase. They, I was watching the movie and I was like counting and I'm like, okay, four times he says it pretty much. I think four. And then at the very end, it's like the last yeah. shot. They say it again. I'm like, ah, they had to sneak one more yeah. in. It's a lot. It's had a to lot. do it. But David, what is the film we are doing today? The film we are doing is national security. If the feds are listening, don't you know, tap our wires or anything like that. This is just a Martin Lawrence film. Um, National Security 2003, directed by Dennis Dugan. Writing credits go to Jay Shurik and David Ron. This movie stars Martin Lawrence, Steve Zahn, um, Bill Duke, who's kind of an unrated actor um, to me, Eric Roberts, Robin Lee, Matt McCoy. And then it's got our girl, Leslie Jones, I believe, right in this. Yeah, she a little uh, trucker a woman. Cameo. Yeah, a little cameo. Um, David Duggan, the director, Dennis Duggan, Dennis. Dennis. Uh, he has. Did you look at his IMDb? He's directed quite a few movies that, like, I feel like are in the similar vein, comedy wise. Like he directed um, Happy Gilmore. Um, or maybe a great he was movie. in it. Wait, this is him as an actor. Excuse me. He was in Happy Gilmore. He's like a actor director he directed jack and jill which is also an adam sandler movie he directed grown-ups and grown-ups 2 and just go with it and i now pronounce you chuck and larry so i feel like this movie as a director falls in his comedy wheelhouse he's got quite the uh credit situation yeah going. acting and directing acting and directing yeah. that's huge good yeah yeah good for him right um yeah. so had you seen this movie before yes i had seen this movie before i am a martin lawrence fan i was actually watching this thinking about martin and all his movies that he's done because mm-hmm. i was a big fan of his tv show too what was his tv um, show remind me uh it was just the like the martin lawrence show. Oh, okay yeah i'm pretty sure um yeah it's just called martin okay and yeah a lot of great characters on that and he would he would actually do other characters in um <laughs> like he dressed up like as a woman that was the next door neighbor oh i and know stuff exactly. like that yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. like morgan freeman was or something morgan freeman um tracy morgan like mm-hmm. was on there a bunch stuff like that, that crew. so Got it. yeah yeah um so i've always loved martin but i was thinking i was like i'm i'm more martin than will like, you know, if you'd see like Bad Boys is probably his biggest mm-hmm. movie, I would say, in that franchise as far as him as a actor in film. Um, and obviously he has the backup as a comic, right? Mm-hmm. That's how he got to start, stand up. You can tell so, he's definitely got that comedic, comedic like stand up vibe. Yeah. So I, I've just, I've been a fan of his for a long time. So I've seen basically all his movies and yeah, I, I had seen this one previously. How about yourself? I had not seen this movie. I, you know, sometimes the way we choose movies to talk about is I just send David like a little list. I'll see what's on streaming and stuff I haven't seen in a while or stuff I haven't seen. And then we kind of decide together. And I sent you like a bunch of, I feel like they were 
comedies and rom-coms and as soon as you saw this one on the list you're like let's do that one yeah i got excited about this um i sometimes in my mind my weird mind i mix this up with national security and then blue streak which is another movie he did okay which blue streak is fantastic if people haven't seen it i think they should um and then your partner and i we went to see a movie the other day with our significant others and scott and i were geeking out about blue streak mm-hmm. um because of the, some of the lines in that movie are so funny and quotable so i need to see that uh, i have not yeah. seen that as well but again so like there's always gaps in your knowledge right before we you know jumped out of recording we were talking about the oscars which by the time this airs will have happened so we currently do not know who the winners are and we were talking about like how there's just so many movies that come out every year and like gaps in the knowledge i mean that's one of the things that i love about this podcast is you know, I was talking to a friend and I was mentioning all these movies that I'd seen recently. And he's like, you watch the most random movies. And I was like, it's <laughs> partly for the podcast. Like it's, yeah. you know, diving in because it's hard to keep up on like what's current and then to go back and actually enjoy movies from the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And this gives us an excuse to do that. Yeah. And then and like then, really think about yeah. it. Yeah. And see how things and just from like you as your profession in writing right you can see how things have changed mm-hmm. over it's like film history for us mm-hmm. at the same time and i get to see acting and how oh that's interesting they did this this way or shot something a certain way the sound you can kind of hear in the background which maybe i'll leave it in maybe i'll edit it out but um our foster dog i think is having a nightmare <laughs> under my feet <laughs> so if you hear some crying it's a it's a poor puppy you know have a little cry maybe in the on the instagram i'll do a swipe right and you can see a picture of her because we are still looking for a home for miss tammy so miss tammy miss tammy tams um but yes so no i had not seen this film give us the little synopsis since you had seen it i don't Uh, know whose turn it is but it's. i'll I'll do a quick one so okay so you have steve zahn who he is uh hank rafferty great last name him and his partner they got a good thing going They're They get a call. They go to a warehouse. It's being broken into. They get in a shootout. Steve Zahn's um, partner dies, right? He sees it happen in front of his eyes. He's like, gets all depressed. Same time, we see Martin Lawrence going through the police academy. He's kind of like very outgoing and he fucks up and he like beats up his instructor basically and arrests him while doing the training. He gets kicked out. They both end up in, um, well, so Mart, sorry, Martin Lawrence then is seen trying to get into his car, right? Because he leaves his keys in his car. Steve's on partnerless now because his partner passed, trying to get into his car. Steve's on pulls up. Hey, what are you doing? Are you breaking in the car? Martin Lawrence says, no, I'm not breaking in my car. This is mine. If I was a white guy, would you be stopping me? And a bumblebee shows up. And Martin Lawrence is allergic to bumblebees. Steve Zahn starts swinging at the bumblebee, gets on tape. He loses his job because Martin Lawrence is like, yeah, you harassed me, beat me up. They both end up in national security, which is just like um, a security firm. And they find out that another place gets broken into that Martin Lawrence is working at. Steve Zahn shows up. They become partners, basically trying to figure out what happened back and forth. A lot of like racial jokes like poking fun at you know this that and third and then they end up finding the bad guys who killed steve zahn's partner they do and then there's all these implications of you know wrongdoing in the force and blah 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 and yeah yeah okay so 
I watched this movie with my partner Scott, who is white or quarter, quarter not white, but white passing and then my friend jen who is white canadian and then me super white gal <laughs> has an international that, background but like you know didn't grow up in america all... that, you could have you could have said clear canadian well, could i okay <laughs> clear um <laughs> but yeah I, I mean i think scott had seen this before and as soon as i was like you know scott sometimes i'll tell him what movies we want to watch we're watching for the podcast and he's like yeah I, i'm not gonna watch that that's you i think libby your partner is the same way but when I said this one, he's like, I'm in. And then Jen was like, what are you doing tonight? Like blah, blah, blah. And came over and we made little pizzas and we watched it. And within the first like five minutes of this movie, Jen turned to me and she was like, they could never make this movie in 2023. Like they could not. So basically the first thing I want to ask you about is the racial profiling. I mean, it's, it's the crux of the, it's the crux of the movie, right? It's this odd couple. You got this white cop and then this black failed mm-hmm. cop and just like the, the the start of the movie where he's like fighting off this bumblebee and someone captures it on camera and it looks like he's beating the shit out of this guy and he well, tried yeah it's hilarious it is hilarious it's but it's funny. also like ooh because of yeah. everything that's happened in the last couple of years well this is uh libby my partner was asking me when she kept asking when was this shot right mm-hmm. um and because it's oh three yeah 2003 so 20 years ago and obviously all the stuff was happening but it wasn't like pushed to the front of the media except for like a few instances they kind of even hint at the rodney king that's movie. what scott was saying he was like explaining to me about rodney king which you mm-hmm. know what it's actually a stain on myself that i don't know much about Rodney King. You know, it's not like pr- police brutality is something that just got invented with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all the people that yeah. we, you know, our names tattooed on my heart from that period of our recent history. Like so crazy that I, I mean, I've heard of the LA riots and like stuff like that, but yeah, did really draw on that stuff to like highlight the incidences of police brutality, obviously. Yeah. So it's been going on. Like he makes the joke of, getting pulled over for DWB, which was a joke of mine, high school, college, because I got pulled over quite a bit. Being for, black, driving for while DWB. black. Yeah, exactly. So like people, like if you're in a small town or you like stick out kind of, and the cops in that town are just like meatheads that, you know, just bulls that want to roll over everything kind of thing. And mm. they're just going to get in your business. Um, there's definitely police forces like that in this country. No one can tell me different. I've experienced it. And yeah, Even recently, just, you what, what are you doing? You texted me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, I said, you sent me a picture of your ticket. And I said, what is that? And he, you said DWB. And I was like, I don't know what that is because I have white privilege and I'm a dumbass white immigrant that doesn't know things. And yeah. that's on me again, you know? And then you're like, yeah, I did laugh when I heard that. Cause I was like, I just... <laughs> found out about this thing this yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it happens and I, i'm glad they touched on it it's no it was movie, it though it like touched on it it was on, like the entire crust yeah of the but that's film. what i'm and that's kind of what i'm getting at it's like i would have maybe dropped it 20 percent in this film and added maybe a couple more jokes um that weren't just that racial speaking to that yeah mm-hmm. and, and like police you know in the inner they talk about the interracial couples and things like that oh martin lawrence's Um, character is anti-interracial couples because it turns out steve zahn's wife is a black woman but he's only 
oppose if, if it's a white man. The man is white, which is another. I thought that was funny yeah. the way he said it. But at first, I, mean? I was like, "Where it's is like, he going with this?" And yeah. then when he said, finally got to the punchline, because I was like, "This character's almost like, yeah, being quite yeah. racist by himself." So exactly, yeah. So it's like that that aged for me a little bit. Uh, but then there's just he's so good and he's so funny. And then Steve Zahn just being um, like his facial, mm-hmm. you know, the, the feelings he gets when he's frustrated and he does that so well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought it's a really good pairing. These two. Oh, these two are but, great yeah. opposite each other. I think mm-hmm. um, Steve Zahn kind of flies under the radar for me a little bit as an actor. I mean, I know he's done a lot of stuff and but he maybe that's just on me but like as soon as you see his face of course you know who he is but i feel like name recognition for me he, maybe i just didn't grow up with him in the movies. he was in the first season of white lotus that's right he was yeah and then he's in this dad. really good really good movie um what is that that thing you do mm-hmm. tom hanks directed Mm-hmm. and was in he was one of the band members he's he, yeah he's been in he's done a lot of, of yeah oh my god like he was in dallas bias club he's done a lot of course but i feel like he's done a lot of shows and also it looks like i'm looking on his um thing he's done some like voice acting like the guy there's not like really a single year over the last 10 where he hasn't had at least a couple of things come out which as a working creative that's that's great you know sometimes we look at these these imdbs and it's like it'll jump from 2007 to 2013 and you might be wondering like well what the fuck were they doing for those five years but you and i both know the development process is so long and like there's just so much behind the scenes that you get paid for or you try to survive and you don't you maybe maybe they went off and did a play um but yeah no steve is like a hard worker and has this pretty extensive resume i always think like if i can get a seven year consistent run i'd be super happy that's your goal well, just just to start with, right, mm-hmm. and then maybe like take a step back and see see where I'm at, and then yeah. jump. Well, back seven in, year but... consistent goal means you're probably working for ten because yeah. those first few years, those years in between, where you're shooting stuff too. But I, I'd also like to do theater too. Mm. So um, I'm seeing, I'm starting to get more into seeing more theater as we come back to like real life and stuff. And yeah, there's something electric about the sharing of the art in real life mm-hmm. in real time. I'm with you. Um, Oscar Isaacs is doing a play right now in New York, which is cool. I feel like actors who do like really appreciate the craft, they do go do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see. And then as an audience, you're like, wow, I can go see this Broadway show with like obviously amazing Broadway actors who are stars in their own right. Or I can go see the, you know, the play. I saw Children of a Lesser God, which I think that's what it's called, with um Joshua Jackson in New York. It was like an off-Broadway play. I think that's what it's called with the ASL. Is that what the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she it? won an Oscar for yeah. that. The movie they made. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was like the lead opposite um, this deaf actress and it was phenomenal. But also, again, like as an audience member, I'm like, oh my God, that's Dawson from Dawson's Creek. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the fangirl oh, in me. But yeah, so back yeah. to the film. So obviously big themes. I I mean, I think this film did it well, but I don't love movies about the police or putting the police in a positive light, the copraganda. Um, you know. I like that. Yeah, I just don't. I, I want to say this. Like I've, I've had cool cops that I've ran into, yeah. right? I just feel like the majority though, it's, I, and I know they eat a ton of shit all day long. Yeah. 
But like some of those people shouldn't be in those jobs if they can't handle that. Right. And if they're going to react to, uh, you know, somebody like reaching in in their car, not saying Steve Zahn's character, Hank, did anything wrong. He like tried talking to Martin first and then it. No, I both. think Steve's character did stuff. I think he yeah. jumped the gun. But again, like, yeah, he was going through his own emotional turmoil where mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. You yes. know, his his captain was like, I sure I want to go out there. It shouldn't have been a question. It should have been like you are on mandated ptsd leave yeah your partner just got shot months. in front of you yeah yeah you are not in a stable condition mentally to be out servicing the public yeah i i yeah. feel the same way like i've met some cool cops i also though don't feel like the right person to speak on it because i walk around with my white privilege day in day out you know for people from marginalized groups like you you have a very different relationship with the cops yeah but you, you can still see it and witness of course it and, you, and you have so it's um but it's like it's when i say oh yeah well i met you know so go it's like yeah but that's what they're how they're treating me how are they treating mm -hmm. you know somebody that's got darker skin than i do so yeah i just i always bump on and there's just so many movies like this where it's like <clears throat> you know the odd couple cops um yeah but i think this one did a good job of you know, not really focusing on the job as much. Obviously, it kind of is the the hinge point for the film, but it's really about this these two characters, I would say, throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah. Didn't love the portrayal of women in this film. Yeah, there's uh, not too much. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really pass the, the Bechtel test, right? It was it just uh, Steve Zahn's girlfriend's significant other who only was talked about in reference to him and then trying to help martin lawrence out and then martin lawrence girlfriend who got tied up <laughs> her handcuffed um when they were playing some freaky freaks so that's yeah yeah and it's just like it's again an example of a movie where the female characters were kind of props you know like there was really nothing going on with denise who is uh steve zahn's character's you know partner um, played by Robin Lee. Like, she, I just, as an audience member, it's like, you don't know what she's doing day to day. They kind of make reference to her being a nurse, but there's no, like, storyline for her. There's no arc. Mm. And then, yeah, you do have um, Cleo King, who played woman in a car, in the car, who, like, they try to <laughs> take her car, and she's like, no, but I'll drop you off. Um, yeah, not, not great portrayals. So Let me, can I ask you this? Yeah. So... We talk a lot about time for movies. You're not a huge fan of like the three hour movie. Right? I have seen some three hour movies recently. Yeah. Yeah. But you would you would prefer to keep it under two? I or think like that's, an hour and a half. I mean ninety movie? a ninety minute movie is great. I yeah. think two and under is is reasonable. Come on. So as a writer, maybe you add twenty more minutes to give um some of the women in this a little more character art, but can it can it be done in an hour and a half? A movie like this with two, the two main characters are male cops. They got a lot of action. They're running around. Can you develop not even just the women, any kind of other character like the yeah. Bill Duke, the Lieutenant in an hour and a half? I think so. I think it's, I mean, listen, who am I to criticize the writing of these guys? Like, and again, the movie is made and it's been in the cultural zeitgeist for 20 years. Yes. I think you could have a couple less, you know, moments like the B scene. It's great. So funny. But like it did drag <laughs> on a little bit. Like we we get it. You know? 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the craft though, right? Is being really cutting with your dialogue, making sure that again, like the woman in car, like she could have said a bit more like profound stuff. It's just like when somebody's a plot device versus like a fully fleshed character, sure. Not every single person that's in the film can have a whole world built around them. But I talk about this with the writers that I'm like mentoring. It's like, you have to remember that in every movie, each character thinks that they're the lead in their movie. So woman in car goes on to this life that she has that we don't see, you know, she's, Oh my God, this crazy thing happened. And then maybe something crazy happens in her life. So it's just creating those like fully fleshed moments, I guess. But I hate what you're saying, like in a tight 90, which this kind of is. Yeah. You run out of pages to give it justice, but I think it can be done. Yeah, and to your point about um, some of the scenes with them, this movie did have a lot of them fumbling around, mm-hmm. falling, uh, you know, trying to pick each other up and then falling again, running mm-hmm. into like the, the car door scene. Mm-hmm. Um, my my partner was laughing at not the car door scene, the um, the truck scene mm-hmm. when they're on the highway and Martin Lawrence is swinging out. around. Yeah, yeah. and then um, I was geeking out, and I wonder if he did this himself, but he. He grabs the air freshener and he puts it around his nose when they land on the garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hoping that was just Martin kind of like riffing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, I didn't think of this movie as that, have that so much like prevalent of them like fumbling around, falling and those kind of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely does, mm-hmm. you know, on, on this watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, lots of physical comedy. I mean, I think this really lives in the, in the year and the time period that it was made, right? Like it, um, that early 2000s slapsticky type, almost, you know, ridiculous off the wall comedy. We talk about it all the time with movies that came out around this time. So I think it fits right in there. I'm very curious to know, it only has a 5.5 on IMDb. I'm curious to know, do you know how much money it made or like anything about its run in the theater? Yeah, I was looking this morning. I think it did overall around like 50 million okay that seems seems good yeah yeah so i don't i didn't see the budget though so that would be the the indicator right the tagline there's two taglines for this movie at least on imdb they only look like cops and this january a buddy comedy without the buddies so (laughs) they're really trying to be like these guys are not friends you know yeah that's the humor. You're going to get these two oddballs together and let's see what happens. They should never be hanging out. But, like, but here yeah, they are, see. partners yeah. and life and work. <laughs> and uh, One thing I'll say, I don't, you know, I don't have too much to say about this movie because it's just, you know, it's kind of the couple things that just really stick out to you. But I will say one thing that always makes me laugh and, you know, two things i guess the lack of aim for the bullets and the sheer number of bullets that they had and also how every bad guy from a certain period of time has its own flavor and this falls right in the smack bang of like the blonde british guy evil dude that made me laugh i feel like this was a hangover of that Right. Because that's that's more 90s to me. Okay, Interesting that. Right. Because you think about like some of the diehard movies, Mm -hmm. the Hans um, Gruber's of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like this is a hangover that they're like, oh, who's a bad guy? 
and they're just thinking about some nineties movies and they <laughs> threw that in there, threw Eric Roberts in there, dyed his hair, yeah. unless he, unless he was able to make that choice himself. Um, I'm sure he still, was not. Yeah. It wasn't like pushing it forward. Um, I did see that they had 40,000 bottles of soda and beer okay. for that, that one shot in the warehouse. And this is definitely late nineties, early 2000 marketing product, product where, placement. Oh, he, Steve's on rolls across the cases of Coca-Cola yeah. and then they burn chip or something. Yeah. yeah. And they burn. Yeah. And then they burn the beer can when they're trying to check the keg Miller genuine draft right there. It's really like, okay. Bit obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Like the people that do that subtly, I, I feel like I'm getting more and more respect for them. Totally. that can do that in movies where it's not just real, like right in your face. Do you okay? And then there's also like the bullets, like, come on, guys, aim. They're just yeah. shooting everywhere. everywhere. No one's getting hit. No one's nope. getting a stray bullet. It's totally and they're fine. and they are professionals, yeah. right? They go to the range probably multiple times a week. That last scene where um they set up the meat to hand over the the cases or whatever for like a million dollars. We have to talk the, about that in a moment. The the yeah. prize for this, you know, the Steaks, <laughs> these light kegs that can be something, something. I was like, Aluminum. this is a bit fuzzy yeah. here. And the thing to me is that, okay, it's $7 million. It's very expensive, but it was stolen. There was like eight of them. What can you make with that? You know what I'm saying? Like if it was enough to make like a fighter jet or something right. crazy like that, there was literally eight of these kegs that, like, what can you honestly make with this that that you can sell it for that's worth seven million dollars you know i just feel like it's, they were trying to think of something that wasn't like a diamond or like yeah. cash and they're like okay hear me out mm. these alloy kegs that cannot be melted <laughs> you know like what the fuck but yeah. yes they are supposed to be professionals and the lack of aim is hilarious but also i wanted to ask you a question and this is like going way off book but that's what the podcast is about um do you think the reason that the bad guys in like the late nineties and the early two thousands were British. Do you think they were trying to make a comment on like American British relations? Do you think it's like kind of a class statement because all of the bad guys always seem to have like these posh British accents. It's not like you get, you know, the what's his face. Um, it's Guy Ritchie bad guy that has like the Cockney accent, you know, it's always yeah. like these upper crust, but who was who was British? Was it was uh I guess I just assumed he was like the main the detective. No, the blonde or Eric guy. Roberts. Bet, no. He wasn't right. No, he was Eric Roberts. Nash. He wasn't. He was just for some, some reason. White I white guy just kept thinking he there was something up with his accent, and I was like, is he trying to be British? <laughs> Maybe he like tried it for a few scenes and then and left they it were like no. But the detective um, was, I think, like Irish, but he didn't have an accent because Martin Lawrence goes, oh, who's the lovely lady? And he goes, that's my father. And he goes, Oh, Colin Fuhr playing (laughs) Detective Frank McDuff. Yeah, he's definitely like Scottish or Irish. I don't know. That's just a side thing. But I do, I always find it interesting to look at movies and see who the bad guy is and then try to understand, like, is that just a random choice or is that are they trying to say something? It's like Top Gun, the new Top Gun. They never say who the bad people are. Which I appreciate Mm -hmm. because it leaves it open for interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, it's either like Iran, Russia, something Mm -hmm. like that, right? China, because they're just all blacked out planes, Mm -hmm. blacked out uh, face masks, things like that, and fighter jets. But so to this, for this movie, 
just the way it's overall put together. Um, do you think they thought about that? Or do you think they're just like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, what should we do? Okay, let's dye his hair blonde and give him a know. wrist tattoo. Yeah, why were the blondes always the bad guys in the early 2000s? <laughs> By the way, around this time, my dad also dyed his, bleached his hair blonde. And I remember I was like so upset about it. I don't know, maybe it was just the fashion. Maybe it was just yeah, like, you know, the acid wash jeans. And you have to look Eminem, at Eminem. Eminem was pretty popular okay. around this time. Yeah, you just have to look at like what was going on culturally, I guess. But. Yeah, now I feel dumb because I truly thought he was British the whole time. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> obviously he was paying like very close attention, <laughs> as you can tell. I, I would have to go and see. You might be right. I just, a couple of the things he said. Okay, another fucked up part for Eric Roberts. Yeah, he was calling Martin Lawrence a monkey. Oh boy, I know. And then that at the very not... end, he's like, who's the monkey now? And he gets like yeah. killed in the ocean. That would not No. Make... Okay, so another thing that stuck out, we were laughing about this. A random crane just sitting there. Yeah, on the edge of that, a nothing. <laughs> yeah, no construction that was around it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, Steve's on. Oh, he's shot. He's down. Fast forward to him climbing into a crane. I know. Oh, thank God this is here. Some convenience yeah. in the plot, you know, for sure. <laughs> Lots of that stuff, though. I don't know. Yeah. Like finding guns and places and things. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, what did you think about um, Martin's character trying to break up um, really, and, and lying about like what had happened to him? Yeah, I think it's bogus. Yeah. yeah. Um, there should funny, be funny ish. But there because should be he was like, like, no, I'm not doing that. There should be a penalty for like f- lying. Cause like how obviously this is like taking the conversation to like a more of a serious dark turn, but like, cases of you know people saying like yes that is the murderer there and then finding out that they were wrongly convicted and losing years of your life and like i don't know the exact situation but oh you're talking about him lying on the on uh, the stand yeah uh, hank rafferty well he didn't lie technically he is like they asked him about a bumblebee and he's like yeah bumblebee was there and there was probably rabbits and yeah, but like he's a, not telling the squirrel tr- humping the, a chipmunk. He definitely leaned into like when his face swelled up, he was like, "Yeah, he beat yeah. the shit out of me." Yeah, um, it, he was assaulted because he felt assaulted, and this yeah, is this he, is kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah, because at a point where if you're just driving around or minding your own business and you've seen it and it's happening multiple times, like why are you fucking with me right mm-hmm. now? Yes, this is my car. You know what I mean? My keys are in ignition. I'm. This is my car. I'm, you you can leave me alone. I'm good. Like I'm not having it right now. I'm do. I'm going about my day, and you're like harassing me. So it gets to a point where you might be in the mindset like you're only fucking with me because I'm a black guy. No, right? he definitely so take, did. Assault but that's him. what I'm saying. So if you take that into like moving forward, he's like, yeah, he assaulted me. Like I was minding my business, and he came up to me, and then he started swinging the thing at you know the b or whatever he does yeah obviously it's not funny if he doesn't get into the if he goes deep into the details that the b was there the b stung me that's why i was swollen but he was like pushing me around he had the thing in my neck right yeah no he steve zahn's character definitely did wrong but he definitely like pushes it i, I guess my point is like what if a police officer plants something in a car and then the guy goes to jail and like, then they find out, you know, five years later after being in the, in jail, I just, 
I mean, in this movie. Oh, the, I see what you're saying. So punishment for that person who. That they didn't. I mean, I, like, again, I don't, I think Steve Zahn did wrong and like everything you're saying makes sense. He pushed him and this guy has been targeted because of the color of his skin, but he definitely is like loving having this guy get fired. And then like when he sees that his wife is a black woman or his girlfriend, you know, obviously that's going to break up his relationship because if she thinks this guy's racist, like she's not going to be with him. And yeah. so like, I just, it's interesting to think about what happens if you do lie and someone's life gets taken away no amount of like apologies or you know compensation can like take that back yeah you can't get that back and that uh that divide that you created between you know steve and his and his wife and denise uh, hank and denise but they do um, they do figure it out and get back to it. she realizes yeah. that he was because the bees in the house at yeah, the end yeah. and then she punches him in the face they don't show it but that's kind of the that's some of the 20 percent i was talking about mm -hmm. on like the race stuff that i think they could have pulled back like you could still make that funny with those two between hank and denise and then earl stepping into it mm. without saying like oh i don't think you two should be together mm -hmm. maybe i'm a little maybe i'm a little um take it personal because i'm a biracial baby <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but yeah it's still like yeah you're lying on this person and now not just with the law, you're you're messing up somebody's love life. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, money, physical damage. I don't know that we talk about like the emotional damage. Again, like I'm not making a comparison between these two, but you know, someone that gets put in jail for a crime they didn't commit for like 10, 15 years, and then they get out. Okay, maybe there's a cash settlement from the state, but like, you can't quantify someone's mental health at that point. You know, like you can't. Time is the only thing that we can't get more of. I don't know. I'm I'm spiraling. I'm going down a path. No, now, I I agree a hundred percent because um, if you that your that person's changed mm -hmm. from the day they enter into that system. Even being told the, you're guilty, like, can you imagine what that yeah. does on? And no one believes you that you're innocent. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't think, and this is the other side of this, like the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I don't think the death penalty should exist unless. I don't think it should exist at all, right? It's like we should be judging how we treat even our like lowest of the low, like our criminals, things like that. But um, if there is a death penalty, it should only be if that person fully out admits it. Like, yes, I did this 100%. Like there's no either like shred that it could go the other way because, yeah. you know, we put people to death in this country that the, statistically some of those people are innocent. I, I, my it. brother and I talk about this all the time. I, I mean, it was not something I had ever really thought about. And I remember I was like maybe in my early to late teens and my brother was like, I don't think we should have the death penalty. Smarter guy than me. And he was like, you know, one person getting wrongly executed is one too many. And it's true. Yeah, you know, 100%. so listen, you and I would go to war for some crimes that are committed, you know, against like children and women, like you and I are both very strong opinions about that, but I am with you. It's like, even if you do the most fucked up thing in the world, be in solitary, you know? Um, but yeah, our, our system is so fucked. Like Scott was supposed to have jury duty um, and he was really stressed. So I didn't realize this, but you know, jury duty, you have to call in every night to see if you have to go in. They pay $15 a day which if you're a freelancer could be the difference between like 
you know, really struggling that month or being so mm -hmm. fucked financially. Thankfully, we're not in that position, but he was sweating it. He was going to miss out on like, you know, hundreds of dollars of work and he didn't get called in. And I was just like, this system is so fucked because literally you'll have people that just couldn't get out of jury duty there who don't want to be there, who just want to get back to their lives. Most likely, how does that create a system of truly getting to the bottom of what has happened? Yeah. Doesn't make it any doesn't. sense. It doesn't. And then also it's, there's people are incentivized or there's businesses that are incentivized, right? Like some of these prisons make money That's off right. of humans, right? For being there. So there's, they're um, privately owned prisons. Like when you just say that out loud, it's, it's fucked up. Like, it's why so is this, up. why does this thing exist that someone can have their own prison and make money off of people going to jail? Would you ever consider becoming a police officer? Never. But maybe there's, maybe people that have that mindset should be police, right? Because they don't want to do it. Um, or, you know, I, I think it needs, actually, I, I don't think I could do it. So I would have a bad day and, you know, whatever could happen. Like get into it with some random citizen that just giving me lip or something. I'm not saying I would just haul off and beat somebody up. But um, I but you don't really know. think it, Push it, to needs, it needs patient, really, really patient people. And then also police shouldn't be responding to like, people with mental, mental illness health, and all yeah. this stuff like um i, think I definitely don't think you we should, should have to have like a psycho psychology degree to be in the police no i think we should have people that are psychologists no, or for sure, therapists like being like to do that work police should only be responding you know like when like there's people being abused or it's like some crazy situation I still um, think I still think police should have some kind of psychological training because like if there's a crazy guy with a knife you know, is that person, I, I agree with you. Like, I think mental health crises, there's mm -hmm. no need for guns to be there. But if you're a police officer and you are first on the scene, you should have the training or the, you know, something where de-escalation or you can just tactics. understand this is not a situation for this. You know, I just, mm -hmm. I don't know enough about the police in every country. I definitely know in Australia, they do not carry guns, I believe. And same with the UK. Um, they have tasers and stuff like that. And I'm not excusing the behavior of, you know, law enforcement in other countries. But I think when you have a gun in the States and you assume that a lot of people could have guns, it makes your response time or your response to things very different. Right. Yeah. Versus like in New, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the UK, where it's harder to get a gun. Most people do not have guns, you know, not saying you can't do damage with a knife, but it's a bit different than like a semi-automatic yeah, but it's the same thing with that cop because they've seen it so many mm -hmm. times. Like the people they work with get shot. They're just or trying to stabbed, get home. Every, the and they're trying the to get home yeah. to their family. Mm -hmm. And states are actually making it worse. Um, there's a really good last episode like John Stewart on Apple, and he talks about some of this stuff. And like there's states that are making it so that people don't even have to say if they have a gun or not. They don't have to have a concealed carry. They don't even have to sign up for concealed carry permits. You can just like have a gun in your pocket and just be walking around that states are trying to push where this is going to make cops jobs even harder because now now i can't look up your license plate and see that you have a concealed carry license you may so have so i'm gun. approaching the car I with just, no idea exactly exactly it's so hard it's just, because it's this, like it's hard because i feel like we both are human people and we love humans me and you so of course mm -hmm. like we see it from 
if you are just a good person and you felt like going into law enforcement was like your calling, we don't want you to go to work and feel unsafe. Like, you know, we, none of us want to live in a world with crime. There are, there is crime and there are criminals Mm -hmm. and humans are fucked up, you know? So it's, it's like, I do flip flop because I'm like, yes, I hear, you know, I hear what you're saying. And like, I cannot imagine being a police officer in the state like that and being like, of course you're going to be on a hair trigger at the same time. I think it's a system built on like just over fucking policing people. And just like, yeah, you're right. Like people who are bullies get attracted to it, you know? Yeah. It should be a higher barrier for entry to be honest. Definitely should. And like, we need those people. Like should Steve Martin have, what's the character's (laughs) name? Should he have just got automatically gotten in the LAPD? Like he failed (laughs) his test, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And then, and then what do we see? He uses deadly force for a car theft. Yeah. Like you should not be shooting in public at a car. Wildly. this lady's car. Exactly. Just then, report then, it. So chase him. And then to bring it back to how their aim is, he hits it perfectly by the gas tank. I know. Like five shots. Just tight grouping, hits the gas tank. The guy gets out, it blows up. But throughout the movie, he can't hit but shit. But also, what was the plan? The- You're going to shoot this guy dead for stealing a car? <laughs> and that's, that's In broad daylight? Part. After and you got beaten happens. the shit out of? Like, oh my yeah. God. And that's these extreme cases we hear from police where a guy goes for his wallet and uh, cops put like 60 bullets into him. Like, for real? See, you guys are that scared of this Shoot person. his hand. Well, that's hard. I know, but I'm just... They shouldn't be shooting at all. It should be like a threat, like do not move, right? Tase them. Hands up, tase them, anything like that. But to like... And this is an extreme case, but yeah, they shot some dude, I think in New York, like 60 times for going for his wall. And that's That's why you're like, that's why you're like, you just wanted to kill that guy. Yeah. That's that's just straight murder in broad daylight. Yeah. I don't know. This movie, it's like, it's a comedy, but it's very interesting from a discussion standpoint you know mm. it obviously opens up a lot of things and and with with time though this opens up a lot of things yeah. if, if we watch this in 05 we're probably not jumping this deep into mm-hmm. this conversation yeah. oh it's a comedy yeah cops are cops do target black people and blah 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 mm-hmm. ha, ha. you know what i mean like it's oh yeah it's fucked up and we kind of laugh it off but all the shit that's happened especially in the past you know seven ten years mm-hmm. um where it's constantly on the news and people are getting targeted uh people not just rioting but peaceful protests and riots and then all this division that's been happening i know a country. guy that's uh got a case against the lapd he is a white guy um, but he was part of a protest that turned nasty and he got like very fucked uply treated by the LAPD and he is suing them. He has a lawyer. Um, and there's a lot of people that I think, cause especially like what we lived through recently with the black lives matter movement. Like, I feel like you and I, we protested, but like when we got the texts and like, were told to go home, we went home. We were, I mean, yeah. can't speak for you personally but i was like i'm not fucking around especially my immigration status was like up in the air you know we were waiting for my green card well it's, yeah it's letting your voice be heard and we but there's sh- people like, that like pushed the like you know they didn't disperse when they were told to disperse yeah. and good you know good for them if they wanted to take but it's, it's not just that it's yes if that's what you got to do still just use your voice but you know burning down that's different but this guy was yeah. like caught by a police i don't know the details and i really can't say much because of the impending case but basically was like taken somewhere and dr- dumped like they basically 
it just fucked up shit was happening. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, I and just then ca- and then chaos that. like that. No, you can you can't. But it's and that's probably a couple fucked up cops. And like, think of this: all this chaos is going on. Mm-hmm. Think of just like you were saying with um with Cleo King, woman in car. As a writer, you're like she has this other life before and after that scene. So in a chaotic moment like that, where there's thousands and thousands of people on the street, hundreds of cops, things like this are going to happen where a couple cops grab a guy and just drag and beat the shit out of him and probably drop him off somewhere. You know what I mean? It does that. And then it's like we hear these stories from all these different perspectives over something like that, all because um, some of the systemic racism in policing and in this country just isn't changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then these, that opens the door for like these instances to happen and it's, it's fucked up and it's been going on since I've been alive basically and been aware. And I saw just a snippet of a comedy guy, stand up comedy guy. Um, and it was like, it was just the best representation of like what I think is happening in people's minds. So he has a toddler and he was like the sweetest little boy in the world until they brought his little sister home from the hospital. And then he started acting out and he didn't feel like it was equal because basically if you feel like what you have is being threatened, even though this little girl is not trying to take from you, she just wants to be treated like an equal equality can feel like oppression. If you feel like you are getting less. And I just was like mind blown. He's using these children as an example And when you think about that and like white supremacy, which, you know, there's documented cases of that still rife in our society, that's Mm -hmm. where you get this hatred and this, yeah. Anyway, we're going way off the deep end from this 2003 (laughs) comedy. But isn't that an interesting way to think about it? No, that definitely is. Um, Like white privilege. Like if you feel like you like the benefits of white privilege and now someone's saying like, hey, we should just probably treat people the same the no same. matter what. They're like, wait a second. And the whole thing is it's really not taking from you. You know, like these companies shouldn't be boys clubs, right? Mm-hmm. They should give equal opportunity acting roles. You should be writing roles. They should all be equal opportunity. Not saying you're going to get the job, but you should involve people in it. And then to think like, oh, my country's changing. You're taking these opportunities from me. No, like you probably weren't, you might not have got that job. You don't really know what you're talking about because if I hear one more white writer tell me that it's a bad time to be a white man writer, I'm like gonna scream. It's I've been at parties where someone was like, Oh, yeah, she must work a lot because like Asians are popular. I was like, What the fuck did you say? And like, Oh, well, it's it's and it's and then they're you can't tell them shit because like, Oh, it's true. I'm like, No. They probably That's picked that person yeah. because they crushed the audition, mm. right? You can't people. This is a business, but people will say they're shit. not going to just throw somebody in there. Yeah. Did did they let more people of color and minorities into that audition? Good, there yeah. should be right. Let it be a healthy it's, competition. It's a, it's a it's about fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yes, the person that with that talent that was right for that part in that movie or show got it but if you're the person who's always had all the opportunities of course equal playing ground is going to feel like oppression that's basically yeah yeah, same thing so what one white girl uh, one extra white girl out of the 10 instead of now it's nine white girls and one asian girl and you're mad that that asian girl got the part because she beat out nine other people i mean yeah that's yeah 
Oh man, we're gonna solve all the world's problems on this podcast. We really <laughs> one, are. One two thousand comedy at a time. Somebody's like, "Oh, I love this movie. This is gonna be a really hilarious podcast," <laughs> and we just catfish the shit out of them with our hot takes on political. It's things. like me, me and you, like in a dark corner of a bar, cornering somebody. Yeah. <laughs> telling. Them hey, have you ever seen that two thousand three movie National Security? <laughs> Let me tell you how it's linked to white supremacy <laughs> and you know gender uh boxing people out um well anyway on that note we should probably (laughs) give a shout out to someone in the cast or crew do you have someone in mind do you want to go first i could go first i went with mickey gilbert um he was a stunt coordinator okay there's a lot of stunts in this actually on that swinging door thing i just i know a few stunties now and you do as well you'll always notice if there's like a wide shot, they're always hiding their faces. Do you notice mm. that? Like when they're yeah. holding onto the thing? Cause they're just like, cause then they need to cut in the real actor. The real person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. And the Steve's on when he shot the window out, when his yeah. partner was in trouble, you, you could just see it. Cause too, he kind of like has yeah, his hands on his face, but you're like a little bit of that slow motion shot. Mm-hmm. You can see that it's not him. So, but yeah, he's, um, it looks like his last credit was 2018, mm. the old man with the gun, but he's got like 132. Damn. Um, yeah, yeah. And then as an actor, he's got like 26. So, and then second unit and assistant director, 29 credits. So he he's done a ton of stuff. He was stunt coordinator on Liar Liar, which is kind of cool. That's Time sick. to Kill, Nutty Professor, sorry, Nutty Professor, Spy Hard. Um, yeah, he's, he's been, he was doing his thing, has been doing his thing. Well, um, I love to see that. Exactly. So, Mickey, we see you and we appreciate you. We Thank you for your contribution. We appreciate you. All right. Well, I went with the film's editor, Deborah Neal Fisher. She, I thought the editing in this was really, I mean, so much happens, like you were saying, and like you jump from comedy to action to comedy to action and like running around. So, I thought she did an amazing job. And I also have like obviously a newfound respect for editors because I am with an editor but um Deborah has done a lot she did coming to america 2 which i think we both watched because we both watched coming to america 1 yeah um she did sonic the hedgehog which i have will admit i have not seen um she did all the 50 shades movies she did the hangover movies baby mama semi pro due date um so she's like knew me and dupree just my luck which is a great Lindsay lohan movie Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which is a classic Great rom-com. Movie. So she's yeah. been around, but obviously, you know, being an editor for comedy is, you know, I feel like it's tough because you have to like make sure that the beat of the shots emphasizes on the joke. Um, her first TV or sorry, her first movie, like big movie um, credit was My First Love and it's a TV movie and it's got a really cute poster and i feel like i need to go track it down it's with b arthur and richard kiley it's like an 80s movie but um yeah just like really love to see a female in a mostly male dominated um industry which editing can be post can be quite male heavy so deborah neil fisher we see you and we appreciate you yeah see you we appreciate you all right david it's time to decide if this movie has aged like milk or not what do you think Go ahead. Okay. National security. I'm going to say it aged a little bit. Okay. okay. Like I said, I would have had a little bit of um, not downing social commentary at all. I just 
peel back a little bit because it started it made me cringe a little bit in some of the some of the lines that were said in some of the scenes. So I'd peel that back a little bit. And then um, also some of the green screen obviously didn't keep up with the technology. <laughs> yeah. um, it was funny to me uh, to see that, especially like with them in the car and they're like yeah, it was so obvious. bouncing around. Yeah, it's definitely obvious. So I think some of the technology behind this making this aged a little bit. Mm. Um, and then it's not one of my favorite Martin Lawrence films. Mm -hmm. So just on that scale for me, it's it aged a little bit. I would like to do Blue Streak with you at some point. Yeah, let's I think. do it. We should just uh, go on. We should pick like an actor and just do like all their movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like see a how Martin they, Month or something. Martin Month. See how they like, <laughs> see how they hold up comparatively. <laughs> yeah. And uh, your partner said if we do that, you'd be, you'd jump on the podcast okay, too. Okay, great. So, yeah, so we could do that. But yeah, I think it just aged a little bit if it was punched up a little bit for modern day mm. i think you could make this work if you tweaked a few things because i would still i was still laughing quite a bit watching this movie um especially with two good actors like this i still think you can make something similar you just have to make a couple tweaks i think mm. yeah i think this is tough milk to swallow but i think it is still fresh because it does poke fun at a very important thing um because I, I went back and forth and I, I'm with you. Like there's certain things where you're like, I feel like you could make the same joke in a more subtle way or you could make the same point. But I have to give this movie props for really going there. I mean, they didn't know 20 years ago that this was going to be like such a, you know, <laughs> prevalent, like front of mind issue. So I'm just going to say it stayed fresh from a... Well, I don't know. It's like a time capsule fresh milk. You know, sometimes you watch something and you're like, damn, that aged. But I think, yeah, I think it's fresh in terms of like what it's saying and how it handles it. I think there's some major plot holes. Like no one gives a fuck about your alloy kegs. <laughs> don't know why we were supposed to care about that at all, to be honest. It was, I just, I think we kind of like moved past it. We're like, okay, we're not focusing on what this is. We're focusing on the $7 million thing of it all. <laughs> But come on, they could be like, this mouse is made out of titanium and yeah. it's worth $7 million. And I would have been like, felt the same way about it. You well, know? The, the, another reason I'm glad we do this. I, in a million years, never would have thought of that. Yeah. For you to bring that up and be like, why kegs? Why this? Why did they pick that? You probably didn't even like, remember that, that, that part never of even, it. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It didn't even occur to me until just today talking about this <laughs> with you. So I'm like, yeah, that is... Why did they choose to do that? And I do laugh like from these movies. I think there was one point where he said something about $800,000. And I was like, man, that wouldn't even buy you like a one bedroom in LA, you know, <laughs> $7 million. Like, yeah, it seems like a lot. I don't know if it's body on the line enough. So it's just funny. Yeah. It's like that um, Austin Powers scene with Dr. Evil. Where he's like, one million dollars. And they're like, ah. And he's like, okay, one billion dollars. Like, oh no. Um, so yeah. Inflation. Yeah, inflation. But yeah, so I do think this movie's pretty fresh, actually, just in terms of looking at it through the cultural lens. But yeah, I could do with some more women. So it's like a fresh-ish milk. I think we're both kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we did it. Um, I'm excited to retroactively listen to this and be like, oh, they didn't even know who won the Oscar. Not that we care that that much, because just. Do you wanna do you wanna say 
Do you want to make a guess? Even though people were like, well, they could have still shot or yeah. recorded this after. No, because this is coming out on, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah we could have recorded it on the Monday after. I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is going to win for Best Picture. Same. I think it should. Mm-hmm. Not and just it, my preference. I think Michelle Yao will win for Best Actress. I want her to. I don't know if it's going to be her or Kate. Ta. I haven't seen yeah, Ta. Have you seen Ta? Yeah, I have. It's, it was, she, she crushed that role. Yeah, yeah, she is an amazing actress. Listen, she's my Australian, you know, sister from another mister. I don't actually know her, but um, yeah, listen, we'll see what happens. I think yeah. it is right up by my gym, your old gym, because you moved. And it's just funny. I can hear helicopters over the area, so... We'll see. They're... Heard they went with the champagne colored carpet this year. Did they? Okay. Instead of red. Yeah. Oh. So mixing things up. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a bad call because anything light could get stained really easily. That's the events yeah. person in me being like, that's a bad call. But you know what? <laughs> I'm not working it. So good luck to them. Um, well, that's it for now then, David. I guess you should just go ahead and check your fridge. Make sure the milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. That's our show. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.